Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Interstitial lung disease prevalence is estimated at 74 cases per 100,000 people in the United States. Dr. Jesse Roman is here to speak with us about two new primers that are available on the American Thoracic Society website on progressive fibrosing interstitial lung disease and connective tissue-related interstitial lung disease. Dr. Roman is a professor of medicine at Thomas Jefferson University, Division Director for Pulmonary, Allergy, and Critical Care Medicine, and CEO of the Jane and Leonard Gorman Respiratory Institute in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today. To start, can you please give us an overview of the primer on progressive fibrosing interstitial lung disease? Sure. Progressive fibrosis interstitial lung disease denotes a series of conditions where, as the name states, are progressive. There are over 300 types of interstitial lung diseases. And for many, many years, we focus on those that seem to be a little more progressive In other words, they move faster than others so that we would have some more urgency in their management. Over time, we have realized that many of these interstitial lung disorders actually do progress and that it's better that we evaluate them as a progressive entity from the beginning as opposed to consider that after the fact. So progressive fibrosis interstitial lung disease is an interstitial lung disease that has shown evidence of progression or is likely to show evidence of progression based on the actual diagnosis and as well as the manifestations on CT scan, pulmonary function tests, and symptomatology. The primer is meant to focus the attention on this entity. So as we see these interstitial disorders, it's important to early on define, is this a progressive fibrosing ILD or not? And therefore, I should monitor, I should evaluate, and perhaps even treat a little bit more urgently or aggressively than I would do another condition that does not show or is not expected to show progression. The primer are written by experts, so they are authoritative, they are up-to-date, they're readily accessible through the internet, and they're succinct, so a clinician can go at them, find some useful information, tables, images, references, all in a very succinct format so that they can make decisions for their patients in a fairly quick fashion. That was a great overview. If you could get a little more specific, what would you say are the key take-home messages for clinicians, including in this primer? Sure. There are a few of them. Number one is to highlight the term progressive fibrosing interstitial disease to increase awareness that your patient with interstitial lung disease in the clinic, whether they had shown progression or not, are likely to show progression depending on what actual condition they have. And that's important because it gives a sense to the physician that there may be more need to monitor these patients more closely. That there are distinct entities that fall in this category. So in other words, it lumps a whole number of interstitial lung diseases into a category that requires attention because they're likely to progress relatively quickly. So you may see a patient with interstitial disease and you may downplay what's happening when in fact they have a diagnosis like idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which we all know it's progressive. And therefore by looking at it in a different way, 
we may evaluate them, monitor them, and treat them a little bit differently. And there are some strategies to monitor these patients, to evaluate them, and for treatment that are very well described and summarized in these primers. Can you please give us an overview of the connective tissue-related interstitial lung disease primer? Sure. This is another primer that addresses a very important area. And in fact, in my practice, is probably the the second most common type of interstitial lung disease I see, and it relates to the connective tissue-related disorders. These are conditions typically seen by a rheumatologist, and they typically are seen by inflammation and joint disorders, among many other manifestations. Well, it turns out that these conditions may also present with interstitial lung disease. So in contrast to idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and related disorders, where we don't know the cause, In this case, the interstitial lung disease is linked to a systemic inflammatory disorder, such as a rheumatologic condition. Examples are rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, Sjogren's syndrome, dermatomyositis. So all of these conditions may present to the pulmonologist first as interstitial lung disease, and we're not careful. We may miss the fact they're actually related to a connective tissue disorder or they may present first to rheumatologists, and they might miss the fact that there's also lung involvement. And without paying attention to those, you may miss an opportunity to treat, to delay progression perhaps, or delay worse manifestations. So in a sense, many of these conditions are progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases like we just discussed, but they're related to connected tissue or rheumatologic disorders. And similar to the question that we asked earlier, what are the key take-home messages for clinicians included in this primer? So the key messages are, number one, to keep an eye out for patients with interstitial lung disease that may or may not have a connective tissue disorder. And that requires detective work. That requires certain testing to ensure that we're not missing a patient with rheumatologic disorder. Here, I wanna emphasize the multidisciplinary collaboration and the evaluation of these patients with rheumatology, for example. You may have cases with IPAF, which is interstitial pneumonia with autoimmune features. That means they seem to have some kind of immune disorder, but they don't quite fit a rheumatologic disorder yet, but we have to follow them. So the primary key points are awareness about the situation, that the fact that they don't have obvious connected tissue disorder signs does not mean the ILD is not related to a rheumatologic condition and that they should be evaluated thoroughly and managed distinctly because these disorders have a very distinct way in which they're managed compared to the other more idiopathic sets of interstitial lung disorders. And those are the items that these primers home into. What would you say is next for research in these areas? Well, it's important in addition to increasing awareness and to helping clinicians identify these patients early is to understand better the biology. Why is this happening? We do have a lot of concepts. There's been a lot of research done over the past several decades in animal models and in cells and even in humans, but we still do not have a great understanding of all the cellular mechanisms that drive scarring of the lung, which is what pulmonary fibrosis is all about. Better understanding of the genetics is an area of research. The animal models that we have do not 
greatly resemble human disease. They're, they're animal models, they're not humans. And so it's not easy to speculate or to make decisions about treatment and mechanisms of action in a model as opposed to a human. Some better models will be helpful. Early diagnosis and better management is important. How do we identify these patients earlier? Are there ways to identify these patients very early by imaging, for example, using artificial intelligence? That's just one example of the many areas of investigation. And of course, new treatments. The treatments that we have available for the most part delay progression, but they do not cure. They do not reverse fibrotic changes in the lung and the scarring. And so we have a long way to go to understand how to better manage these patients. The primers are there to highlight these areas, to encourage individuals to think about them thoroughly and think about gaps in knowledge and what are the areas of research we need to investigate. Now you're also the lead editor on an HP primer coming soon. What can clinicians expect to see included in that? I'm glad you asked. HP stands for hypersensitivity pneumonitis. It's an interstitial lung disease that is related to some kind of environmental or occupational exposure. These patients are interesting because they also can show a progressive phenotype, such as progressive fibrosing and gestational lung disorders, such as idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And their manifestations can be very similar to those conditions. So it might be very difficult to distinguish an entity like hypersensitivity pneumonitis from an entity that is idiopathic. That is crucial because one of the best ways to begin the management of these patients with HP is to isolate them from the entity that is actually driving the fibrotic process in their lung. And so what this primer will do is to expertly summarize the condition, evaluate the epidemiology, provide some examples of the imaging and physiology, and how to monitor these patients, evaluate them and treat them, which could be very different than the other treatments described in the other two primers. I will tell you that one of the most interesting things that we've identified over the past decade or so is that many patients labeled as one kind of interstitial disease later on are reclassified as hypersensitivity pneumonitis when an actual culprit is identified. I think doing that earlier because we're aware of this possibility is an important goal of this primer. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Roman. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Well, I think the ATS, the American Thoracic Society, is very interested in continuing to educate its membership and others about this and other conditions. I think you should expect to see more primers over time. There are many, many clinical entities that require much investment and effort to help clinicians in dealing with them, much research as well. And I think these primers will help us move in that direction. So I hope your audience keeps an eye open for future primers that will be equally useful, I'm sure.